In this episode of Documento, I'm speaking with Paul Dominic. Paul, thank you for coming onto the show. Oh, thanks for having me on, brother. Pleasure to be here. Let's talk about stoicism. What could you tell our listeners and how has it affected your life? So Stoicism is basically an ancient Greco-Roman philosophy. Um, started a long, long time ago by Zeno. Um, it's basically a blueprint for managing your emotions and navigating your way through life and the chaotic parts of it. Um, there are a lot of practical act aspects of it and exercises. Uh, modern day cognitive behavioral therapy, which is like CBT, and then you have REBT, REMT, MT. Um, these are, you know, psychoanalytical uh, practices that are, their roots are based in stoicism. And basically, like, like I said before, it's, it's a blueprint for managing your emotions and conducting yourself effectively, efficient, efficiently in the world. It's interesting how stoicism has lasted for such a long time. It, it makes you think about how much our psychology has not changed and how these principles seem to endure, no? Yeah, it's interesting you say that. And it's lasted for so long, I think, because of the practical side of it. Um, it, it, can, it can help you in any, any time of the day, in your everyday situations, whether it's like, you know, someone spilled a coffee on you while you're waiting in line or that you're dealing with traffic on the way to work or, you know, it starts, you know, pouring, raining while you're in the middle of your run at 5.30 in the morning. Uh, it just gives you these little tips and exercises and mindset shifts on how to handle these situations and to change your perspective and think about things differently, um, to really uh, judge and perceive things more rationally and accurately. I've noticed this effect in my life actually, where it's not like it's indifferent, but um, you know, you kind of accept what's going on around you. And yeah. it's a very powerful mindset because everyone else is very stressed and you know they have stressful lives that's understandable it's just that if we can manage those emotions yeah stick out like a sore thumb i mean you you really will make an impression because calm in the presence of any type of crisis is something to be admired don't you think yeah and you think about it like this i mean you have, you're at a sporting event and you know your team loses and then people are flipping out and like they're throwing beers and like they're you know cursing at each other and you know, he practiced a little bit like a stoic exercise that was almost, that was uh, proposed by Friedrich Nietzsche. It's called a morphati, like the love of your It's to love whatever happens and to be excited about it because maybe it's supposed to happen. Or even now that it's happened, there's nothing you can do about it. So you flipping out and overreacting, you know, irrationally and chaotically, it's not going to do anything to change the situation because there's, one, there's nothing you can do about it. And two, that's not the most productive way to move forward, you know. So, yeah, it's like being, being calm in the middle of a raging storm in the middle of the ocean when you're on a boat. Is overreacting and screaming and complaining going to do anything about it? No, that's going to cloud your judgment and your reason, which could affect everyone else's life on the boat. So you want a stable, calm presence in the middle of chaos. And I think uh, stoicism gives you the blueprint for that. Yeah, it's a superpower, no doubt. It Ooh. seems almost that many people can be negativity prone. And to take up the perspective oh, that, oh, really? You too? Oh, dude, super, super negative, super, big time. And stoicism changed you dramatically, I'm guessing. Yeah, it's actually, I have a funny story to tell how I discovered um, stoicism, if you don't mind me telling that, because 
it was like a pivotal moment in my life that led me down this rabbit hole of personal development and uh, self-change. Let's hear it. Okay, so I got out of a really bad relationship about five years ago. Really bad relationship. It was terrible. And a lot of, I don't want to sound like, like I'm um, blaming or making excuses for anything because it's my responsibility. But the person I was with, I, I tended to like, like a sponge absorb a lot of their emotions and a lot of their internal issues that they were dealing with. I kind of like put it on my shoulders and acted like it was my problem too. So once the relationship ended, I, um, I felt like I still had all these problems on my shoulder and I was, I was dealing with problems that this person was dealing with and we weren't even together anymore. Um, so, so I was kind of looking for an answer. I was looking for like the light in the dark tunnel at the end of the dark tunnel. And one day, now I wasn't the guy that ever read books or anything like that. I, I swear to you, I started reading books like five years ago, maybe four years ago. And I'm walking, I'm having a drink in Center City, Philadelphia, and I walk into, uh, I see Barnes Noble's across the street, and I'm walking into Barnes Noble, and I'm looking at self-help, and I, listen, man, Al, I don't know what I'm looking for, you know what I'm saying? I'm just walking around, <laughs> perusing, like, oh, this is cool, like, acting like I'm the guy that, like, reads books, and like, oh, maybe some girl looking at me while I'm looking at this bookshelf, whatever. So, I'm looking at self-help, I see, I see a book, uh, Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People, I'm like, that is the cheesiest worst name for a book. I was like, I love it. I'm going to get it. So I, I picked it up. I was like, I love it. So, so I get it. And I know it's the best part. You're going to laugh. I walk over to philosophy. Dude, I didn't know squat about philosophy. So I walk over and I see books. I'm looking at Marx. I see, you know, Foucault and uh, all these different names, Nietzsche. I'm like, who are these people? I have no clue who they are. And I see Marcus Aurelius, Meditations. And I say, wow, isn't that dude in the purple robe from the movie Gladiator? <laughs> I said, it has to be him. I said, that's awesome. That's so sick. So I pick up, I was like, that's, that's dope. I'm just going to read this book for some reason. And dude, like chapter two, the first paragraph literally was like the moment when I was like, what is going on? It was that yeah. moment where you question your existence and who you think you are. And the first paragraph, I'm paraphrasing here, but he says something like, you know, listen, when you wake up in the morning, you tell yourself the people I'm going to deal with today are ingrateful, rude, arrogant, selfish people. He's like, but we're all of the same mind. Don't, you know, be surprised when a rude person acts rude. Just accept them and try to help them and things like that. And so he's like preparing you in advance for the day and the people you're going to deal with in order to remain calm when you meet them because you already seen them. You already visualize them in your head. And you're preparing yourself in advance. And that's a stoic exercise, um, premeditatio malorum, the premeditation of evils. But once I read this book, it led me down like a spiraled rabbit hole where I started questioning all my beliefs and who I was and really trying to tackle my um, nihilistic negative mindset. And um, now I'm not going to say it was easy. I, I don't want people to listen to like, oh, he just read meditations and that was it, man. He's good to go. Like, no, this was years of uh self-therapy which i'll call it self-therapy like treating myself and um you know really catching myself and tackling myself and, and writing and working through all of my issues to really come out on top where i am now and i'm still not where i want to be so it's a process man yeah it takes years to master this mindset when you see it in practice though it's its own motivation it's such a powerful way to live your life and i thank the dude in the purple robe <laughs> yeah. Now everybody go see Gladiator. <laughs> yeah, come on, man. Come on now.
<laughs> okay, awesome. I think we've uh, sparked the interest of the listeners. Let's shift the discussion uh, if it's related to social dynamics. Okay, so it relates in a lot of ways because number one, stoicism is all about empathy. Having empathy for your fellow man and woman and trying to understand what they're going through and remember that we're all connected. And if you could do that, so I'll give you an example. Say if you're online and, you know, someone's on the phone complaining or ordering their coffee all angrily and you know, they bump your shoulder on the way out. Instead of getting mad and overreacting and, you know, projecting their energy back onto them and making the day even worse, what you want to do is you want to understand it and you have a degree of empathy here. I don't know what the yes, stuff. I don't know what they're going through. What, what could they possibly be going through? Maybe their dog just died. Maybe their their dads have in the hospital with cancer. Maybe their brothers and sisters are in a huge fight. No one, you know, people they haven't talked to each other in ten years, and it's just it's bothering them. It's all built up. So it's trying to put yourself in their shoes and try to understand what they're going through, in order to have a more beneficial interaction with them uh, in the future, or even in that situation. So you don't overreact. You remain calm, and you think, okay, what is this person going through? Maybe they're going through really tough times right now. And uh, it's all about that perspective. So that's the one exercise I would do. And remembering number two is that, you know, people with social anxiety will go out and like, oh man, I can't talk to people because they're going to make fun of me. I, they, they think I'm weird. They think I'm stupid or um, I can't public speak. Everyone's going to be looking at me thinking I'm, I'm an idiot. And they, you have to remember the dichotomy control here. It's that, yes, what's in your control is what you're going to say, how you're going to say it, you know, the body language that you could put forward, strong body language, and, and how you're going to talk to people and relate to people. All those skills are within your control. What's not in your control are how people are going to receive it. You could say the right thing, have the perfect body language, have all these things in check or in line. But if they don't like you, or if they just don't like you, if they don't want to be around you, maybe they're just more introverted and they want to be to themselves, or maybe they're just not looking to socialize. You can't control that. So remembering that and you know, remembering that you can't control that, you know, it'll lead you to remembering that, okay, listen, there's nothing I can do about it. I did my best. I worked with what is in my control and that's all I can do. And if they don't like me, that's so be it. There's nothing I could do about that, you know? And it, and if you, and then maybe, you know, a person will try to make them like them, but that'll compromise who they are because then they'll try to be someone they're not. And that's a problem. So it's about, you know, those really two aspects really link to social dynamics. Um, and so and they link both stoicism and social dynamics pretty, pretty well. That's an interesting connecting, Paul. Um, it makes me think now, if you take on a more empathetic approach to conversations, to your interpersonal communication, it really makes you think that it has nothing to do with you. I mean, people are going through things in their life that are out of your control, as you say. Yeah. And you have to accept that. And all you can do is give 100% of your personality and hope that it works out, that they see you in a positive light. But if they don't, that's okay, too. <laughs> I mean, if, yeah, sure, yeah. if they reject you if, 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 or if they make fun of you, that's something that's going on in their life. And you shouldn't be trying to blame yourself about it. It, it just makes yeah. you really think that, you know, put the ego aside and think about what's really going on here from both sides of the coin. Exactly. And um, yeah, it's, it's having a degree of empathy with others and also yourself. And this is part of the problem I have with like, nothing against like, like PUAs and PUA culture, but it's like, they act as if like, 
if you say these exact words and do this exact thing that it's just going to work for everybody and, and people are just going to be attracted to you and drawn to you because you say these specific words, it takes, it almost like takes away the value of like free will and being individuals because it assumes that everyone's just going to react the same way, you know? And <clears throat> it's really important to understand that. So would you say that it's more important how you say things than what exactly you say? Totally, because there's so much more that goes into it. Words are just words, um, but then there, you have vocal inflections, you have body language, you have hand gestures, you have facial expression, um, and that's part of the reason where uh, you know understanding lacks in in um, like emails and text and things like that because you're losing that face-to-face -face interaction and we and you're losing eye contact and things like that and um, yeah, plays the nonverbal is in my opinion, much, much more important than the verbal. So that seems like there's like a disconnect here because we have all these technologies that are connecting us more and more, but they're still leaving us unfulfilled in our social lives because of the quality of the interaction. So do you think that there's some kind of, I don't know, crisis in the communication uh, these days? Well, yeah, we certainly have, we do have a communication crisis when, you know, most of I don't want to say most of our, our day to day interactions are over electronic devices, but I would say certainly half of them. Um, you look at people are constantly Instagram, DM, and Facebook messaging, texting, emailing. Everything's um, done for the most part, a lot of it electronically now. So you're missing that whole degree of nonverbal communication. You're missing the eye contact, you're missing the facial expressions, hand gestures, body language, um, position of like, you know, different people are standing towards you. You're miss you can't touch people when you're talking to them. All these different things, um, even degree of space when you're talking to people, you're missing this huge element that's more important than what you're saying. So it, it leads to a lot of miscommunication and uh, the communication isn't as effective. And people, <clears throat> they get so used to uh, talking on these devices that they think that they know how to talk to people that when they get out in the actual in the world and actually talk to people and interact with others face to face, they realize they have no clue what's going on. And they start to get nervous and they're stuck in their own head and they start to get self-conscious and things like that. But during, that's not even the only part of the communication crisis. The real communication crisis is happening in the home. And um, I've worked in the hospitality industry for years, especially being a student in college and uh, even in school, but mainly in the restaurant or in parks wherever you're at coffee shops people you have you see entire families on their cell phones not talking to each other they do this for years these people don't know who each other are they don't even know each other they don't take time to ask each other questions they don't take time to try to relate to each other try to understand what people would you know what the other family members are going through um you have parents don't even know their kids so it's a it's a, it's a real problem and it's a crisis because you know and, and i always say social skills are going to be the superpower of the future because you know, you have people at home that are not communicating. All they're doing is scrolling on their phones. There's no communication skills being built at a young age. So by the time they're 15 and 14, all they know is, you know, Fortnite and, and Instagram and Snapchat. They don't know how to talk to people, which is the, probably one of the most in, important skills a human can have on earth. Um, so yeah, we're in a really, really tight situation with um, uh, communication skills. So, and that's part of the reason why you're, you're gonna start seeing uh, employers and they're doing it now um i see in a poll it was like 94 percent of recruiters and employers rather have someone with really good soft skills than hard skills and that's going to be the advantage of the future 
how well you can interact in a social environment. That's going to be the superpower. That's a really interesting point, Paul. And it makes you think when you do experience a special interaction, someone that really goes in depth, that is empathetic, that, uh, you know, utilizes all these you know, body language techniques and, and really yeah. understands where that person's coming from, it makes an impact. I mean, you don't, you don't forget that interaction. So if you could cultivate that skill set, like you say, in the future, it's going to benefit you all your life. <laughs> yeah, because you, what we're going to see, and like I said, in, in even 10 years, 15 years, you're going to see people that, and dude, listen, we're already seeing it now. We have people that go to bars with their friends and go to clubs, coffee shops. No one talks. No one talks. And we're already seeing it. What do you think is going to happen? It's only going to be amplified in, in 10, 15 years. You're going to have people that just, you know, it's going to be silent. People are just not talking just on their phones, on their computers, or, you know, wearing some sort of chip or whatever it's going to be. It's only going to be amplified. So think about if you're the person that develops your charisma, because you can develop your charisma. It's not some sort of thing you're born with or it's genetic. Um, you know, the, the most introverted pe person can become uh, charismatic. I truly believe it. Um, but say that one person that does walk in with, you know, good communication skills and social skills, and they walk in with a firm understanding of group dynamics and social dynamics and things like that, they're almost going to be like the complete shining night in, in, in a mass of darkness. And people are going to be drawn towards this person. Big time. I couldn't agree more. So that really stresses the importance of soft skills going into the future. So um, I hope listeners can really take in all the messages in this interview. Yeah. Paul, how about to close, could you give us an idea of your story, uh, you know, how, how you got to where you are and where we can find you online? Yeah, so to start off, you can find me online. And I just really want to thank you for having me and, you know, thank all the listeners for tuning in. Um, you guys are awesome. But you can find me on Twitter at Paul M. Dominic. You can find me on Instagram at Paul M. Dominic. Um, I have emails as well. And also just released a, uh, a journaling ebook, which I'll talk a lot about in a little bit. Um, but so my story is, 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 um, it's it's a difficult situation it's a chaotic story um but it really started a few years ago um and it's just unfolding now um but i was overweight my entire life super insecure self-conscious up until about 21 years old i was very uh very overweight i would about you know 280 pounds i was about and uh you know i was dealing with anxiety and a lot of stress and uh i you know, I was failing out of school and things like that. And I turned it all around when two things happened. I started reading and I started working out. And I began this whole self-development and self-help and, you know, I'm on this little personal journey and it lasts about, you know, it's still going on to this day, but it was about years and years of, you know, um, tackling my issues and, and going through the darkness to come out in the light. And um, one thing that really, really, accelerate my process was getting a firm understanding of social dynamics and and uh, interacting with other people and socializing and getting a great social circle together and great friends and um learning how to you know function in this world and communicate your ideas and your messages um but i went from this guy that basically couldn't really talk to anyone especially women i couldn't talk to anyone to this guy that can go and talk to anyone and be confident and not self-conscious and basically convince myself that I can do anything in this world if I convince myself that I can do it. I'm convinced I could do anything. Um, so self-conscious to self-confident, that's basically my story. 
Powerful. Thanks for sharing that, Paul. It's, uh, it's an amazing story, and I'm really glad that you came onto the show. Thanks for having me, Al. All right, I'll talk to you soon. All right, brother.